G'day. Welcome to SEO Success Stories. My name is Russ McCumber, and every two weeks we talk search engine optimization with the world's leading SEO practitioners. We interview a mix of in-house SEO leads from the world's biggest brands and SEO thought leaders, many from leading search technology brands, plus the world's foremost SEO educators. They'll all be lifting the hood on their own SEO journey, as well as sharing the tips and tricks behind how the best and brightest minds in SEO go about their trade of dominating the SERP. SEO nerds, this one's for you. Okay, everyone, g'day. It is SEO Success Stories. I'm so pumped to have today on with us Kevin Indig. Kevin, g'day. Nice to meet you. I'll get to you in a moment. So Kevin is the uh, director of SEO at Shopify. So he's going to have some amazing information and stories to share. And we're going to talk about his journey and some of the stuff that they've been doing there when he first started and you know what worked and didn't work. So really excited to get into that. Before we do though, as we know, and before you get into anything else, Kevin, I'm going to ask you, what is the number one biggest challenge facing SEOs in 2022? So in my mind, the number one challenge is to get an accurate understanding of what's going on in the search results. So let me elaborate on that real quick. There's so much happening these days. It's not just 10 buildings anymore. Google shows tons of SERP features like map packs, carousels mm. for images and videos, right? Knowledge cards, all this stuff. And this is super noisy because sometimes these things change on a daily basis. Mm. And they're different for most queries that you rank for, for most keywords. So in my mind, the SEO teams that win are the SEO teams that have the most accurate understanding of what's going on in the search results. Mm-hmm. And that's that's the number one challenge people, people face. Love it. Great. Great insight. Thanks so much. Okay, cool. So, Kevin, what we're going to talk about today, obviously, we're going to talk about the stuff you're doing at Shopify, but I'd love for our listeners just to get an understanding of, of what got you to where you are today. So there's probably lots of them that the subscribe to the growth memo. There's probably lots of them that, you know, are working with Shopify or have owned Shopify sites themselves. So if we could just sort of rewind and go back to the start of your career, what, what did that look like? Like, how did you, how did you fall into marketing in the first place? Yeah, that's, you know, we're going, we're going back now over 10 years. And if we're talking about marketing and SEO, we're probably going back even further. Yeah. But I kind of fell into this whole thing through computer games. I was a very, you know, nerdy kid growing up, played a lot of games, I was, uh, you know, already playing when you would still pay for the internet by the minute. So uh, that was a while ago. But then when broadband internet came out, uh, you know, I was I wanted to play online tournaments with my friends, and I became the guy to figure out how to build a website. That eventually led me to this thing called search engines because I asked myself, where are people actually coming from that are visiting the site? And then I kind of discovered, I kind of fell into this nascent topic of SEO, which back then was very black heady, very dark and very kind of mysterious. You know, there's this small group of people who know how to game the search results and make a lot of money in affiliate marketing, right? And that kind of pulled me in. And then the first actual job was a traineeship in an SEO agency in Germany where I was born and raised. And my kind of, you know, lucky lottery ticket was that uh, this agency had huge clients, that huge enterprise clients. Mm. And that said, a fast track early on to be exposed to big problems, gain a lot of practical experience, but also learn how to navigate in-house SEO and working with big companies. That's very cool. That's very cool because like a couple of little things to sort of take apart there, you know, coming in via like an internship and, you know, having that sort of initial sort of passion and then coming in to an agency like that. So is that a pathway you would recommend for people interested 
in sort of getting into into SEO? Yeah, I think an agency is probably my preferred start in SEO. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Simply because you're exposed to so many different problems. Yeah. When you work in house, you typically you face big problems, but they they take a little longer to solve, and so the variety is not as large. And on the other hand, in agencies, you have different clients, different types of sites to work on, which can really help you just gain a lot of experience very quickly. And so what, what sort of era are we talking? Because I know, like I remember running Google search ads or Google AdWords, like way 2003, 2004. And I remember SEO at a business I was working at, the owner of the business was like, okay, well, we're showing up in the rankings. We've got a guy who does it. It's a dark art. I don't want to ask him too much about what he's doing. <laughs> But all I know is it's working. Is that kind of what the, the environment when you started as well? The environment for sure. Yeah, it was a couple of years later. I was like, in a, uh, I think I got this traineeship in 2008, 2009. Um, but yeah, it was the same type of environment where we basically went to very large established enterprises. They knew the internet was kind of important. They had no idea how to navigate it and what to do. Yeah. And we came in and basically just told them what to do and there was a lot very little questioning or very little pushback uh they're like oh, okay cool so we got to change our tag structure we got to remove these four fours okay sure we'll do it and then traffic went up so it was a very very transparent time but also very cool because search was a little simpler you know there were fewer signals fewer factors google would still roll out updates and you would see all the changes from one day to the next so you could very quickly tell what google was doing and what yeah. the impact was and these days it's all very blurry and diluted that is so interesting i've spoken to lots of lots of people who've been in SEO for a long time and they have talked about you know it was a bit it was a bit simpler back in the day but i hadn't really heard that that you know that those kind of quick because i guess there's less factors you know you change you change one or two things and then you can see it kind of you can see those results that's pretty satisfying you'd imagine back in the day so satisfying you know i, I remember for example the early penguin and panda updates and the agency that, that i started in was very, very close to uh, Systrix, which is probably, or, or at least was at the time, the largest German SEO tool, very good SEO tool still. And they were the kind of investors. So we had access to them. We, get, we they, they shared a lot of their insights with us. And you can really see the visibility index for some sites, you know, growing and then boom, like tanking. Almost like, like today you only see this when Google applies a manual penalty. But back then it was even when Google rolled out a, you know, quality update or relevance update. And then you could just simply see, hey, how many sites did that happen? And what do they have in common? And what, what keywords did they drop for? And they'd be like, oh man, these are all, you know, like, I don't know, like long tail keywords. And there's all thin content or these Sites had a lot of four four those kind of things, right? Yeah. And but these days everything is very driven by machine learning, and the changes roll out slowly. So you have less strong, you have weaker signal, which makes it very difficult to kind of reverse engineer what Google really did or does. I think it's almost impossible these days. It is. It is, and it's also interesting. Like it, there's there seems to be so much more gray in what can and can't work, what the machine does do, what it doesn't do. You've got John Mueller saying that, no, they don't take uh, behavioral metrics on your side, engagement, that's not a thing. You've got other people going, oh, but all of these, <laughs> all of my numbers are showing that it is a thing. So, you know, and then you've got, you know, I've, I've heard a couple of people talking recently about just how clever the, the machine is getting and, and like getting beyond, beyond words, beyond video, getting to like real intent. Like, and you think, is it really that clever or are we just intuiting that it is or do we think it is like it's, it's a really tough thing to try to wrap your head around isn't it it's yeah it's almost impossible see the, the human brain is really bad at understanding things like compounding or when a you know like what are the um for example like a, a regression with one 
stable variable and one dynamic or or, or flexible variable, humans can comprehend that. They can understand that. But as soon as there are several dynamic variables in a, in a regression, human brains are just not made to, to grasp that, right? And so long story is, you know, it, it might not even be as complicated, but a hundred signals are enough for humans to not be able to see the patterns anymore or even for data. So it's, it's very, very difficult. And that's very dangerous because I see so many more assumptions. And sometimes I fall into that trap myself. I'm like, oh, I think I see a pattern. And it's like, ah, maybe, you know, it's like very, very unstable uh, of an argument. So we have to be very, very careful. And what it simply means is that we have to rely more on practical testing uh, and be very, very unattached to our assumptions and, and theories and how things work. And just let like test more things, try more things and measure, measure the results. Yeah, for sure. So let's go back again. So you, you've gone from internship into agency, you get to work on some really big brands, big problems. From there, like from an early, you know, early start in your career, you're getting a feel for, okay, well, if I'm working within a bigger organization, there's influencers, there's decision makers, there's all these different stakeholders within and without an SEO department and outside the SEO department. So there's huge learnings there. Where did you head to after that? Was it more agency life or did you go brand side or what was the go there? Yeah, I spent about five years on the agency side. And... Um... Then I went in-house. So the thing is, you know, my, my last quote-unquote agency role was actually in a professional services team at Searchmetrics. So professional services is kind of an in-house like an agent, in-house agency that, that works with clients. So, you know, it was already a step towards in-house, but then after Searchmetrics, uh, I think it must have been around 2015, I joined Dailymotion as a full-time SEO director. So, but it was a great prep for, for everything I do in house this agency time. Again, both have their pros and cons and uh, two degrees, also personal preference, what you, what you like to do. For sure. For sure. And I have heard that a bit like people who've worked both sides. Yeah. Just talk about obviously the, the advantage of what you mentioned earlier of having being across a number of different clients and problems and that sort of stuff. So you, you can really fast track your learnings in that way. But then once you're in-house, you know, just really deeply living in, with inside a brand and having a better understanding of the mechanics of the website and the brand and the customers and the product, product roadmap and all those things that you have an inherent advantage of being inside the machine. I had Gaetano Donati on earlier, one of our earlier podcasts, and I was asking him, like, you know, when you're, when you're hiring an, an, an SEO, like a junior SEO, what sort of things are you looking for? And he did mention they've got some agency experience that they can, they can think on their feet and he's hiring for an in-house role, he's like, I'd much rather for an in-house role hire someone who's been able to do that, think more quickly, more agile. And then I feel like I can have them, you know, just thinking more like that within a brand. Is that something that sort of crosses your mind when you're looking at hiring and, and, and talent? For sure, for sure. And, and Gaetano is a smart guy and he's also a friend of mine. I, I really value what he what he has to say. And I, I agree with that. I want somebody to be quick on their feet, to, to, to learn fast, and to question a lot of assumptions and be very critical. A uh, red flag, for example, would be when people say, yeah, I read this in a blog article. Of course, I would recommend it. It's like, mm, okay, be careful with that. You, there's a lot of stuff out there. And somebody, somebody really good would, for example, would, would use phrases like, I think this is how it works, but I'm unsure because I never tested it. Right? That's like, that's a green flag. That's awesome. Cool. Or, yeah, I did test that. This was the outcome. These were the limitations. These are the questions I still have. Somebody who's very systematic in thinking through problems because they constantly change in-house and you really need to gain trust by having an impact. And if you, you know, if you, if you throw out all these kind of 
like darts in the dark, then at some point people lose trust, you'll lose credibility, and they will, you'll not get the resource funding anymore. So this is, is a very, very important trade as well. It is, it is. And that's an interesting point just around, you know, the, the SEOs who seem like 100% set that this is the answer, this is the way, um, versus the ones who are like, well, that depends. <laughs> I'd like to test it. I'd like to, it sounds like you're on track. Like I've had this literally just with our site recently. I just noticed, I'm just, I'm probably, our SEO guys would hate how often I'm in search console and just checking things out. And I'm just like, I, I don't like the look at these links. Can, can someone look at it? Has anyone looked at it yet? I'm like slacking, slacking, slacking. And eventually they were like, okay, it might be, we'll disavow some of them. We're not going to do all of them. I'm like, get rid of them all. No, no, we don't know. <laughs> let's just, let's just sort of, you know, test it. We'll do some and then we'll see over time if there's any impact to it. So it's good to have, I guess, you know, those more clever handbrakes against the, the people who kind of just want to get stuff done really quickly. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. You know, it's it's all about learning. The faster you learn, right? The 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 faster we can win, and that's a that's a you know um, the sequence of lots of small little experiments, lots of small little things, questions and stuff. And people who can be very organized with that and very systemic and deliberate, you know, they build a, a body of knowledge that you can take to any company that you can benefit from your whole career. And so when I look back, you know, you asked me earlier about my beginnings. One thing that I was lucky to be exposed to is lots of different problems. And I invest a lot of time and effort into writing those down or just saving them somehow, right? And make sure that I don't forget about this. Because now I can go back and be like, hey, there's this one problem that we're facing. Have I ever faced this again? And what did I do? And what did I learn, right? So this idea of like a body of knowledge that you can draw from throughout your whole career, most people are not intentional about, right? They, yeah. don't, they don't take notes. Like it's, it's a very simple thing to do. And that has always benefited me tremendously that's such great career advice we've got any young seos listening to this and you're just starting out your career actually no matter what point you are in your career i think it's a really good idea to to document some of those some of those ideas some of those little insights some of those little hacks along the way and uh yeah if you're an seo you're probably pretty organized you're probably going to you know pop that into some kind of spreadsheet or a folder system or something to make it easier to collect but that's that's a really really good little learning for sure now let's let's talk to shopify so you've been there for how long you've been there a couple of years now it's only one and a half years. Oh, wow. Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. I know, I know. It's, yep. it's recent. So talk to me about your, tell me about the role with Shopify. So you've been there for one and a half years. What, what's, what's the role? What's the team look like, the resources? Yeah. So one and a half years, my title is director of SEO. And so I, my 95% of my job is to bring more merchants to Shopify. And the 5% of my job is to advise or consult the the core product team and how to make the product more SEO friendly. A lot of people think it's the other way around, but most of my time is really spent on the customer acquisition side of things. And in terms of resources, we're a bit over 20 SEOs, including a fully staffed engineering team, design, data science, uh, PM. So we're relatively big of an organization and we're embedded in the growth organization at Shopify. So we have a very experiment-driven kind of mindset and way of moving forward. And we're blessed with, you know, all sorts of tools. So for example, we build everything in-house. So everything, all the tools, we all built them ourselves, rank trackers, site crawlers, SERP crawler, all this kind of stuff. So we're very blessed. It's an exception. It's not the norm. Uh, and we're very, very systematic and very deliberate in how we evolve our understanding of SEO and what things we roll out. So there's no, there's no kind of, Oh, let's just let's just do this type of stuff. You know, everything is is kind of uh, is opportunity sized, prioritized, plans. You know, 
speak a lot about things. We discuss things. And I have basically four different SEO teams. I have a tech SEO team, an offsite team, a content SEO team, and an experimental team. Uh, and most of the stuff they do is drive experiments. Excellent. And do those, in terms of those people in those different teams, like are they... Are they just set in that team? Like, is a content SEO ever going to work in the technical SEO team? Is the experimental team, like, is there a rotation of, of roles or are they very much, um, like, just deep specialists in that particular that particular role? They're specialized, but they're no, no hard walls, you know. Uh, there are no fixed swim lanes and you can't break out of the swim lane. So we have, for example, some, some uh, content SEO teams who run technical experiments or they run experiments in general, but everybody on SEO should run experiments. And we have technical people who, uh, you know, think more about content structure and those kind of things. So there's no real wall. There's really just some sort of like a fine specialization, more so for the sake of focus and less so for the sake of, oh, this person is too technical, they can't do anything else. So very flexible in our approach, I would say. Very interesting. Geez, that's that's pretty cool. And was that... When you first started there, is that what the team looked like? Or was that were you part of the design of the team in getting it in that direction? Or what was the resources when you started, I guess, what I'm asking? Yeah, the t t team looked very different at the time. I think we had around 10-ish SEOs, so we doubled in size. And I completely changed the structure of the team as well. So I went from a very horizontal structure to a bit more of a vertical structure, just because it's always easier when you put teams behind goals instead of saying, oh, I think, you know, this is the website. I think we should have this kind of team. No, instead, what you really want to do is say, hey, these are the targets we need to achieve. This is how the targets break down. Let's staff teams according so they can hit the targets that roll up to a larger target. And when we look at levers that we have in SEO. There's a big emphasis in content. There's some tools. We need to run experiments. And of course, offsite has to be in place as well. So it's, it's all very purposefully uh, structured. Excellent, excellent. And did you have any leaders that you like aspired to that inspired you early on in your career that sort of helped form your management style and, and your ability to think strategically about planning a team like that? Oh, no doubt. No doubt. Absolutely. Uh, I was blessed to work for, I don't think I ever had a bad boss. I was blessed to work for, for phenomenal people. Uh, especially again, like early on, there were so many great people who I learned from who taught me a lot of stuff. And then Marcus Tober at Search Metrics. Uh, still a mentor of mine uh, and, and just a fantastic person. Then there was uh, Guillaume at Daily Motion, who's just a, such a sharp guy. There was uh, Mariah at uh, Atlassian, and then Ryan at G2, and now Luke and Morgan, who are major household names, and so many other people. So yeah, you know, I feel like you know, I was I was able to pick from like a like a buffet, you know, from some yeah. of the best people, and just see, okay, what are they doing that works really well and and try to 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 like integrate that with my style of leadership and with my personality. That's that never cool. stops, you know. That's very cool. So in terms of the, the first like 90 days in that first new role, everyone talks about how important it is, you know, you walk into, especially as a leader, you know, you walk into a new organization and you've got people reporting to you, you've got to take a step back and take that thousand foot view of what it looks like. What did the first 90 days look like? I'm curious, like how much was just watching, how much was getting in there and finding some quick wins or how much was just getting to know your people? What, what did it look like? You know, Shopify is a large organization and it has a ton of context. So and I, I, I am inclined to just jump into action very quickly. I'm very extreme in that sense. I, I default to action. So I constantly have to remind myself, hey, think this through, take a step back. Is this, do you really want to, you know, but at Shopify, 
it, it took a couple of weeks of just watching, reading, talking to people. Probably took a couple of months, if I'm being honest, to do that, just to understand why are things the way they are? What should we do? What are we doing? Where are we today? Uh, and that was super valuable. And then of course, you know, you 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 want to have some quick impact and look for a quick win. So I fished around a little bit and you know, saw like looked for some things that I could do without having or needing too much context. But these first ninety days are so crucial because you really want to make sure you understand the expectations on your role, what the opportunities are, and the risks, which can be so different from what you understood from the interview when you when you're in the hiring interview, right? So. I was very deliberate about the first 90 days and making sure I gained all the context because once you once you once you throw in the once you jump in the water, there's not a lot of time to then step back and spend hours reading and 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 learning more. So yep, I you know we have an internal um something like an internal wiki where you can find all sorts of material. And I spent a lot of time really just talking to people and gain historic context. Yep. At what point did you realize, okay, well, we've got 10 in this team to take it where where we want it to go. So your big focus is B2B acquisition and you know you've got a pretty good understanding of what that's going to take. How long in did you realize, okay, I'm going to have to double the size of this team or more? I think the first restructure must have been after four or five months. I think yep. I had a pretty pretty decent grasp. Yeah. Um, and the things, you know, as, as soon as you talk to enough people, the next steps become relatively apparent because people start to tell the same stories and they start to highlight the same problems and show the same issues. So it doesn't take too long. Uh, you, you develop an opinion relatively quickly and most it takes most of the time to just validate that this opinion is actually the right one. So you go back to your manager and be like, hey, this is what I'm observing. This is what I'm thinking. Is this in line with what you think? You talk to some of the other people who work, like your peers. Uh, you talk to some people in those actual teams just to get an understanding. And then you just, you know, you, you get buy-in, you make sure everybody's aligned, people get their heads up. So the forming the opinion is fast and then validating the opinion and executing against it, that's what takes most of the time. Yeah, I'm curious about that buy-in stage. So let's say you've, you're three, four months in, you've got a really good uh, grasp on the product and, and what you need to grow it. You've started to realize, okay, well, we need to scale this out. Everyone's saying we need more of this. And I can see we've got, you know, shallow resources here. What was the buy-in like in terms of who you're reporting to and the broader organization to put more resources into this? Like, are we talking, I'm curious about, are we planning out, we can see X amount of ROI or leads or, or is it more, you know, visibility rankings? Like, what are your levers to pull, I guess, for, for buy-in? Yeah, it's a good question. It's a great question. Uh, so you're you're absolutely on the right track. First of all, you want to know what number you want to know what number everybody cares about, right? Like, what is how do we measure success? What's the metric that we should focus on? And then you you try to you know you, you basically say, okay, this is where we are today in terms of that number, and this is where we could be with more resources. This is the high level strategy, right? But then you have to break that down into specifics. So when you go to your manager and you're like, I want to double the size of the team. They will ask, okay, why, right? And they say, hey, we want to get to this point. And then there's the how. So you have to, you have to like flesh this out, and you have to, you have to go deep and into the details and say, okay, this is what this person is focusing on. This is what that person is focusing on. Uh, this is how quickly we want to hire. So you have to just paint a picture for people to buy in. And if that picture makes sense and is aligned with their goals, it, it's it's usually no issue. Now, I want to point out that I was very lucky because my Manager at the time, Luc Lebec, who's still running the growth work, 
he built the SEO team at TripAdvisor. So he himself has a deep, deep understanding of SEO. And it didn't take a lot of wrestling to, to expand on the team to build some of the tools and stuff. Like he kicked off some of that himself. So I was very blessed, but it's the same in every other company that I worked at before. You have to show the why and then the how. And if that makes, sound, uh, makes sense and is aligned with people's goals, then it's no problem. Excellent. I've literally just written down what you said then. That stuck, that's, can you say that? What is the number we all care about? Like yes, that is such like a, it. such a, like we, if we can figure out, okay, well, what is our North Star, like across a range of different parts of the business? Great. Okay. Well, then I just need to figure out, you obviously had some good buy-in there with some good, you know, some other people there who are already on that train, but it's such a simple way to put it. What is the number we all care about? I'm literally going to steal that and start <laughs> using it with clients. That's um, sure. It's quality. Take it, man. Take it. Absolutely. It's the, the concept is simple and helpful. And the execution is very, very, very complex and difficult because you want to pick a number that doesn't change so fast, that maybe even stays consistent for years. And so when you when everybody looks at the same number, you need to have a good answer to why people should care and how they can drive that number up. So North Star metrics are usually all output or outcome metrics, right? This can be something like revenue, conversions, or, or something in the middle most of the time. Uh, but then you also really want to deeply think about what are the inputs to that number? What makes this number go up? And if people see that, if people understand what numbers they can influence that make the North Star go up, then, then it's a sound system. Then people will buy in and everybody's happy and excited. But getting to that point takes time. You need to like follow all the paths and, and understand the dynamics, the inputs and outputs. Uh, so yeah, you want to find a number that everyone cares about. But if you land on it too quickly, if everybody's like, oh, sure, it's organic traffic, eh, probably probably red flag, right? You probably want yeah. to go a couple of deeper. Very interesting. I want to take a step back. I meant to ask before, when you talked about just being blessed to have a lot of the tools and, and the types of things, even the, met the specific metrics that you're wanting and, and building those tools yourself internally. Like, is that from a planning perspective internally, are you using tools and you're like, it just doesn't have what I need or I don't trust that it's accurate or like, what is it that gets you to a point where you go, okay, we'll just build it. It's really the possibility to customize a tool to your needs completely. I think, you know, for, for 90% of companies out there, third-party tools are probably totally fine, right? You don't need to build your own tool. Uh, but if you want to dissect SEO to the deepest level and go as deep as you possibly can, then you want to build tools around your specific needs. And so, you know, let me tell a bit more about what that could look like. So we're technically a platform, but we operate very similar to a SaaS company in terms of the SEO levers that we have available to us. Very different if we were a TripAdvisor or a Uber Eats or, you know, some other type of company that has different dynamics, like a marketplace, for example, even an Amazon very, very different. And so you want to, you know, you, it all kind of breaks down from the goal, right? Like what is number we care about? What's the target we want to hit? What are the levers that we can pull? And how do we measure success? And when it comes to measuring success, again, you want to take into account your unique circumstances, what's important to you, and then build tooling around that. So it's just a very principled approach to SEO that again, not everybody has to follow, but there's, there's a lot of that in there. Plus you have, you have full control, right? So if, if tools were to, to, to change over time, or there's this one metric that you're missing, or this one feature, you can just build it yourself instead of having to, to, to buy a whole nother tool. Yeah, for sure. And is that, is that something you've had at other organizations you've worked at, or is that just at Shopify? That's really, I built smaller tools at other organizations, uh, but not a full 
SEO tool stack, like a full suite. That's really the first time for me. And it's been a fantastic learning curve. You know, uh, I learned so much more about, you know, the craft of product management and how to work with engineering teams to build internal tooling, measuring success, all these kind of things. So it's been a fantastic experience. Very cool. Very cool. It would have been. So you've had, obviously, you get to the, that's a really cool advantage to it. You've got the head of growth has been a trip advisor, so they're a big proponent for SEO. Lots of like really positive things that have helped you in your role, but there must have been some barriers along the way, some hurdles that have made, you know, getting stuff done or, you know, stuff that, that has kind of held things up a little bit. Any, any hurdles that, that you think you could share that might help other SEOs out there in, in their roles? Sure. They're always hurdles. <laughs> As you said, you know, it's, 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 ne it's never uh, all just easy, easy going and success. You know, uh, I think throughout my career in Shopify, there's surely some, some hurdles that I can share. You know, some of them are just simply uh, speed. I think speed is always kind of a challenge. How do we move faster? Uh, I think one big challenge was also how to, what's like the right level of documentation, paperwork, that kind of stuff, because you want to document things, but you don't want to slow teams down too much. Aligning and collaboration is another big one. You know, uh, an organization like Shopify that grows so rapidly, where so much is going on, it's really, really challenging to keep everybody on the same page, to inform all the teams, inform all the people. Just a pure flow, the, uh, the pure flow of information itself is a huge challenge. And so how do you tackle that? Uh, what rituals, what team rituals do you put in place? How do you not overload them with meet meetings in a remote first world, but make sure they had all the information they need? How do you make sure problems oops, problems bubble up to you uh, and, and you have an understanding of that without you know people being too afraid? So there's a lot of, lot of executional challenges, I would say, that you find in probably most companies, maybe every company. But of course, especially companies that grow very, very rapidly, that they, they have these problems tenfold. So... I think it's all related to that. It's the SEO stuff. That's its own type of game, the, the, the pure craft and how to rank at the top uh, uh, thing. But the execution, the, the management, that in itself is also can be challenging. Cool. Where is the site, without giving away anything away too commercially sensitive, from where you started to where the site's at now? Like, what Are, are there any wins that you can share? Or what, what can you sort of share around how your team, yourself and your team, have been able to contribute to Shopify? Yeah, man, so much, so much has changed and so much, much has happened. Uh, one thing, for example, is just that we have really doubled down on our content strategy and have brought that to a really, really, really good lever. You know, lots of things that we tried out um, and I can't go too much into the details, but content is something that we've now really started to find our footing in and it has really clicked and have some blessed to work with some, you know, amazing partners and writers and content creators the team is really is absolutely outstanding but it takes a while for all the wheels in the bigger system to click with each other especially when so such a high part of the team is very young so how do we create content you know that's that that ranks well in search how do you create content that is editorially outstanding that tells a good story that has some journalism component in them and how do you bring all of that together i would say that was one of the biggest you know, things that, that really came together and drive the brand forward. Yeah, I, I think that's that's definitely one of the biggest wins. And then we're in a, we're in a whole, I mean, hundreds of SEO experiments uh, and some of them, uh, you know, worked out really well. A lot of them failed. But just getting into a state where you can execute on experiments fast and you have a shared language and a common understanding of what that looks like, what the results mean, that also took a while. But I think now we're in a, in a really good place where, we, where this machine just rolls, right? And it just, it, it 
certain wins and lessons, we, we get better at rolling them out. And it's like a flywheel that spins faster and faster. Cool. It's funny you talk about content because I was just, well, you know, curious before we jump on the call, I'm, I'm jumping into Ahrefs. I'm looking at your, you know, the most, there's the pages on your site that have got the most referring domains at them. There's some, there's some really good content there, which is pulling, you know, thousands of links. I'm curious how closely does your outreach team work with, with their content team? Like, is that, is, do the one do their thing and then they bring them in or is it like that they work together to ideate and then move forward? Well, how's that work? Yeah, it's a great question. Uh, so the offset team doesn't do any outreach. We don't we don't do any cold pitching or so. No guest posting or or link buying. Uh, it's a purely content driven approach, and it's really the way that you said it, where the the offside team, which is very very young at Shopify, very new, is embedded with the content team, and they ideate on, on campaigns together. And I think this is really kind of the way that that things go in the future, where you just have something. I mean. You know, we always talk about linkable assets and organic links, but I, I'm fully bought into that. This is this can be a great driver if you have a brand like Shopify that you can stand on, right? Like, let's let's be real. We're very very lucky and fortunate to work with a brand like Shopify. So you don't need to cold pitch bloggers to make an impact. We get a lot of organic links already. It's much more about how can we make a lot of noise around some really cool campaigns. How can we craft some content that journalists might even reference and 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 use? And we're lucky that we sit on a lot a lot of fantastic data. We have the trustworthiness and the authority in the space that this can actually work out. At G2, before, it was a very, very different approach. At G2, I had a team of six link builders. They're all, you know, cold outreach, the pitching, the full program. There were a couple of other dynamics that were able to to lever, to, to, to pull in order to generate backlinks. I mean, G2 is a software marketplace and the G2, G2 batch has a very, has a lot of like trustworthiness now with buyers. So the dynamics are so different that that's really what I meant in the beginning when I said, you have to understand what the levers are. The levers at G2 compared to Shopify are completely different, even when it comes to a link building perspective. Yeah. And very interesting point you made then around like content. And if you've got a brand like Shopify, which is obviously a, a market leader and very established in all these sorts of things, it makes it easier. I had a chat to Lindsay Sacreda from uh, Yotpo, Director of Content Marketing there. And we had the same conversation because there's lots of content first people who will say, good content will win. Just write good content. It'll eventually get there. And that's great when you're talking from Shopify or Yotpo, when you're talking from a big globally known brand. Yes. But for you know small to medium businesses, it's, it's not just going to be content on its own that's going to help you get there. Exactly. Yeah, you got to be real about that, right? The way that we do SEO at Shopify is very different in, in large part because we have a lot of resources and we have yeah. a very strong brand. And that is not the same that that a lot of other companies approach SEO. And that's totally fine, you know. But yeah, you have to be very real and honest about that. I totally agree. Yeah, cool, cool. Uh, one last question before we get into the Vox Pop. And this one, I'm not sure because you do build a lot of your own tools. Are there any like non-obvious tools that you use in your day-to-day? It doesn't even need to be SEO related, but just something that helps you get your job done where people would go, oh, wow, I never would have thought Kevin from Shopify would use that. Wow, non-obvious. Ooh, that's a tough one. There are a lot of, a lot of obvious ones, a lot of classic uh, usual suspects. I guess, um, hmm, let me see if I can give you a good answer. Uh, you know, one, one big tool that I just use all the time is Notion. It's not an SEO oh, tool. Yeah. It's a, yeah, yeah. a note tool, right? Yeah. Uh, so speaking about a body of knowledge, those kind of things, that all happens in Notion. I start with Evernote and then migrate it over. And then, man, like if I if I were to open my uh, systems analytics in my Mac or MacBook, 
and where to look at what apps or web apps I would use the most, it would probably be Google Docs. <laughs> right? Because oh, yeah. like yeah. so much around just documenting, aligning, sharing and understanding. So uh, I don't think is I don't think there's a good I'm not sure if this is a good answer right I'm sure people expect like some browser extension that tells you like some crazy information <laughs> but you know so much of my job is really to make sure that you know people are on the same page that we go after this the, the right goals and that we we create context that other people can tap into so maybe you know what I'm talking about maybe one that is not super famous or obvious that I, that I like to use I'll give you two uh, one is HTTP status.io. It's just a very nice, elegant, simple tool to uncover redirect chains. So you can punch in a URL and it will tell you the other redirects leading up to that URL that it has found. So that's HTTP status.io. And then there is another one that is amazing because it scrapes people also ask boxes and it's called search response.io. There's also also asked, which just recently relaunched, but this is the one that I'm using is search response.io. And I think you get a lot of free free queries there. So I'm a regular user of that. Uh, I'm not sure if that's if that's unobvious. No, they're good. No, I haven't heard either of those before. So they're great. Great answers. Thank you. I didn't mind Notion as well, because I feel like Google Docs started the wave many years ago, just of those shareable editable platforms that are so much better for collaboration. So yeah, that's yeah. huge. That's huge. And then again, Notion is my like, digital brain or my digital database of things that I know or know it's like all these kind of things. And it's yeah. amazing to just be able to search your brain because, you know, after there's so much information out there that yeah. uh, at some point your brain just shuts off and can't keep it anymore. Totally, totally. All right, cool, cool. So it's time for our Vox Pop. So basically what I'm going to do, I'm going to fire through some questions, quick fire style. I just need you to give an answer without thinking too deeply. You feel free to give an answer and give it some context if you like, but I don't want you to overthink it. You ready? It's good. It's good. Which previous algo change still keeps you up at night? Page quality updates. Mm. So those roll out on a continuous basis, at least once a month. Yep. And whenever Google reassesses page quality, I, I get, yeah, it's, it's just a very uncomfortable feeling because it can happen that your, traf your traffic dips for 20, 30%. Yeah. Even though we did nothing, and then it comes back a couple of months later. Even though you did nothing, that 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 stuff is just scary. Uh, gun to your head. Which do you prefer, content or links? Content. Uh, what's the most effective link building technique that you've used? Links from badges or widgets. Is the skyscraper technique still relevant today? Yes, but most people misunderstand it. Most people just look for so when it comes for like especially listicles, like here are the sixteen mm. tips to do SEO stuff. Uh, most people think it's just a numbers game you just want to add more numbers mm. but that's not what searchers are looking for what searchers are really looking for is sometimes just a, a smaller selection like hey there are fifty thousand tips out there here are the, the three really need to know right so mm. it, it can go in both directions and you want to understand what are people looking for do they really just need volume or do they need more quality see that's a really good answer which if you think about that because if you think about the end user like the listicle the whole point of that is to serve a list for users and what does a, a user want that they want 50 experts to read from, or did I just want like a more synthesized range of options? Uh, what do you love most about SEO? The constant change of problems you face. It's never boring. How do you apply SEO principles to your daily life? I, I think much more about what's the intention? What's the goal in this moment? You know, like what are we yeah. trying to achieve here? As I mentioned before, I can be very impulsive and default to action very quickly. And mm -hmm. one thing I learned from just this whole idea of user intent is to, to, to stop myself and think, okay, 
what's the actual goal here? What am I trying to achieve? And should I really do this? Is this the best path to that goal? Mm -hmm. Or is there something else I should consider? Work from home life or office life or hybrid life? Work from home life. Uh, did you guys, did you say you guys are all, is it 100% remote, Shopify? Yeah, 100% yep. remote and we have some regular team events. So I just came back from Montreal yep. uh, last night where we spent a couple of days with the SEO team to just bond, have time, but also do some work in person. And that's, in my mind, the, the perfect mix. SEM Rush or HRFs? <sighs> uh, it's a tough one. I love them both, man. Uh, yeah. If I... Man, that's a, that's a tough one. If I, have, if I had to go with one, I, I, <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know. Do you want to pass? I can't, I can't give a good answer. I'd probably go with SEMrush if I had to pick one. Yep. We're talking about like a 51 to 49 type yep. of distribution. They're both fantastic. Got you. Uh, agency or in-house or combo? What do you reckon is best? Probably in-house. I'm going with yep. in-house. Yep. Cool. Kevin, that was amazing. Thanks so much. That was SEO Success Stories with Kevin Indig from Shopify. How can uh, people reach out to you if, if they want to see you or read you? Like there's your sub subscription for your newsletter. You tell us. Tell, tell the people where they can find you. Yeah, thanks, Russ. Really appreciate you having me on. Uh, if you're curious about more, uh, I write a, a weekly newsletter. It's free. It's called Growth Memo. But you can also just go to kevin-indig.com and you find all the content there. And you can follow me on Twitter. I'm passionate, passionate uh, Twitter fan. And I use my real name. It's Kevin underscore Indic. So pretty straightforward. Cool. Question without notice. What do you think of uh, Twitter's new owner? <laughs> not of him as a person, but of that whole concept of one person owning that. It's probably going to work out. It's probably going to yeah. make Twitter better. I'm, I'm not sure if that was the only way for Twitter to become better. But I'm 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 carefully bullish on Elon. I would not bet against an Elon Musk, yeah. even though I'm not a fan of all of his behavior or everything that he does. Kevin, thank you so much, uh, guys. That's been SEO Success Stories with Kevin Indig from Shopify. Uh, if you've enjoyed this podcast, uh, please do jump on, write us a review. As I say, every episode, five stars, four stars. I prefer five, but uh, yeah, please do write some nice things about us. That'd be wonderful. We are on every two weeks, bi-weekly, as they say in the US, or every fortnight, as they say in the rest of the world. Thanks so much, Kevin, again, and uh, thanks, everyone, for tuning in. That was SEO Success Stories. It's been a pleasure. Thank you.